Hello and welcome to the Morning Skate Podcast. I am Matt Moody, joined by DJ Mitchell, here to cover the Tuesday, November 28th NHL Daily Fantasy Slate. Uh, DJ, how was your weekend? Uh, how was your Thanksgiving? And how are you doing here on this 10-game uh, Tuesday? Uh, yeah, everything was pretty good. Um, I, yeah, I went home. I ran into a bunch of our old high school friends, good times in, in Brockport for for our, all of our Brockport listeners out there um Thanksgiving football's late I thought I was going to get there honestly and like have a sweat and uh, immediately Debo Samuel ruined it so yeah uh football sucked as always I won some money on hockey and I uh, didn't play a ton of DFS because I was just like really busy around lock so good to be back in the swing of things um 10 game Tuesday slate how how was your time uh turkey day and whatnot yeah, I mean the leftovers always slap, so you know it's it's always a fun few days after Thanksgiving. Um, but yeah, no, uh, fantasy wise, it's been more of the same. Uh, just you know, nonsense every night. Having a good time though, you know. Uh, uh, in the Discord, it was quite the day. I know. Uh, I know you partook in some of it, but we just had an absolute uh, monster of uh, of a day in the Discord. So make sure you get in there. But Matt posted a breakdown of the Sunday slate. Um, the the, the winning lineups on Sunday slate were just hysterical. So. Um, a nice little eight minute breakdown of, you know, what makes those players so good at fantasy hockey, um, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and, you know, we had Denny with the point bot, um, you know, get hacked, come in and like, I mean, that those are two of the highlights, but there was a whole lot more. Uh, it was, it was a great day to be in the discord. So, you know, the, the spirits are high heading into Monday night is all I can say. Um, so yeah, that, that's, uh, that's where we're at right now as my goalie gets scored on two minutes into Monday night's game. All right. Uh, yeah. DJ, anything else before we cover the 10 games here? No, not really. Uh, I'm just still cooking at puck luck. I think the deal in tonight while I were recording, I, th- I almost think it goes till tomorrow that we're offering 50% off. Um, God, I retweeted it like 77 times. Let's look. Goes until, yeah, don't know it's going to be over by the time you're listening to this. So if you're listening to this and it's still Monday and you want to get 50% off your first month or the entire year, um, go over to PuckLock. We actually doubled our yearly subscriptions on the over the weekend with the uh, like Black Friday, Cyber Monday deal. So yeah, really exciting stuff over there. Continuing to smash. Um, I use that as, you know, again, like I use my stuff I've always used and I use that stuff and we've added a lot of new stuff into it, as I keep mentioning. And a lot of it's kind of like boring and probably no one really cares besides like Matt and a few other guys, but, um, yeah, it's rolling out good picks and bets every night. And I mean, uh, I just, the perfect example is just me absolutely plugging my nose and playing blue jackets plus one and a half, but like minus one twenty on Sunday and just like that gets there so easily. I mean, actually at the end, I guess it got a little bit sweaty, but like just every night, I don't know. So yeah, that's about it. Okay. There you go. Um, so I, I don't even know after, after Wednesday's debacle, if I want to let you do the 10 games, but honestly, uh, I have not caught up on nope. the t- retweets you tweeted. So uh, DJ, you're up to preview these 10 games, but <clears> you're on the clock. Okay. Fast as possible. Islanders, Devils, they're going to play. You can bet on them if you'd like. Who cares? <laughs> um, Devils, no team. I love it. I love the it. Lions Keep going. Are, the, the, the Lions are a bit more, more 
uh, different, but we're going to talk about that on the slate. So why say it now? Uh, nothing crazy of note, I don't believe there, other than Sebastian Ajo Sr. on the Islanders is on IR. So defense in, in New York, and I think there was another injury, but we'll get to it. Uh, Florida is at Toronto, back-to-back. Again, you can bet on that game if you'd like, puckluck.com. Cool. Um, Florida's playing right now. Toronto looked decently normal besides Nylander, Marner, Swap. Carolina is at the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, Sveshnikov up with Ajo and Jarvis. You can fill in the rest. Um, if you want to play donkey, smash your head against the keyboard. Carolina 2, power play 2, feel free. Um, Philly is garbage and they sit good players. So if you really want to play Philly against Carolina, best of luck. I don't. I didn't see any lineup news. St. Louis is at Minnesota. Minnesota fires their head coach just before we record, like an hour before we recorded. Um, Hartman suspended for two games for slew footing. The Blues are pretty stinky, but they have a top line that's of note. Pittsburgh is probably almost, I would say, very likely welcoming back Brian Rust into the top line. So get your Crosby, Gensel, Rust. Get it right here, right now. Um, they're playing Nashville. Uh, Nashville's has a couple good players. We're probably going to talk about them. Goose Nyquist continuing to smash. Nothing crazy there. Still no Novak as of now. Dallas is at Winnipeg. Didn't see anything out of Dallas other than I think it was like Craig Smith might be back or some random guy like that. Is it Craig? Yeah. Is it Craig that Smith? Is, right? that, that is yeah. the Craig Smith. Craig Dallas. Smith is traveling. Yeah. <laughs> good, good he's for traveling. Craig Smith. That was the only thing I could find on the, on the, on the entirety of Dallas. Uh, Winnipeg, still being Winnipeg. Um, Kyle Connor, still being Kyle Connor. We'll get to that game. I'm sure I have no interest. Seattle is at Chicago. I'm not talking about the Connor Bedard thing. That's just absolutely asinine. Um, but yeah, still no Corey Perry, obviously. Bjorkstrand could be out, uh, didn't finish Friday's game, and we haven't heard any like strong updates there yet. Uh, Burakovsky back in skating, but still not eligible to play. Tenev day-to-day, who freaking cares, but being like keep an eye on all that stuff because I, I believe there could be some switches. Probably should have looked closer. I don't know if I actually grabbed Seattle at all, so I might check that while we get to that game. Um, Tampa is at Arizona. Arizona is welcoming back Dumba and Dermot, very likely, almost definitely. I think the coach actually confirmed it. I retweeted it, but I don't remember. But no Valimaki. Uh, Tampa, we're going to see on Monday, so if there's any changes, we'll know it for tomorrow. Vegas at Edmonton. Uh, Edmonton, they finally were fixed by playing Anaheim. They scored 100 goals. Absolute smash fest. Everyone you played couldn't have been wrong. Congratulations. Other than Leon Dreisaitl, but <laughs> unless that was still in the winning lineup. Well, unless unless uh, you played Evan Bush, Vegas is making changes. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Actually, it's a good point. I even think about him. Um. Anyways, though, Vegas is <laughs> going to change the lineup, and all we knew from the report was that the misfits are back together in Carlson and Marcheseau, and that was like it. And they didn't like specify the line. So we're just going to have to wait till uh, if that goes well or not or what. So again, that well, uh, very the, 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 ambiguous the stop, on their stop, side. Stop, stop, The detectives among us, uh, the people who listened to five-minute coach interviews, uh, actually did suss out the lines, but nobody knows that. And obviously it doesn't matter because everyone's listening to this after nine o'clock when we'll know the lines. But I, I just want to take that victory lap because... I'm very much looking forward to having my properly stacked uh, Eichel, Stone, Stevenson and just having it not matter because, you know, uh, Paul Cotter scores a goal off his butt or something. Anyway, you may continue. Correct. All right. Thank, well, thank you for doing all the hard work. And finally, in record, You're welcome. record time, Anaheim at Vancouver. Boy, 
is Vancouver uh, bringing back Kuzmenko and going to be back to somewhat normal. No um, other guy, freaking what the heck, why am I blaming it? Giuseppe, he'll be the odd man out. So I retweeted the lines. We're going to get to it. Who cares? Um, Anaheim just refuses to play Leo Carlson on a regular basis, but I feel like he's got to be back after uh, the debacle against Edmonton. They, they just got to try something new. So with that being said, we're going to get to all these games on the slate. Those are the main news and notes. I don't think I missed anything of great value. I uh, don't. I mean, again, don't think so. I'm still catching up on this news too. But uh, but yeah, uh, there's a lot of missing pieces to fill in the blanks throughout the day on Tuesday. But, um, you know, we'll get you started. So uh, we can start things off in uh, uh, New Jersey, where New Jersey's taking on the Islanders. Uh, New Jersey found their form, you know, uh, first game with, Hughes and Heischer both back in the lineup and of course they scored about a billion goals on the Buffalo Sabres um so you know there you go New Jersey's fixed we did it congratulations uh the Islanders are still playing a relatively up-tempo brand of hockey it's not quite as extreme as it was um say about a month ago um but you know they're not the shut it down lockdown like there's going to be no shots for anyone islanders that we've seen uh, in large part because they simply don't have the personnel to do so um but they're also going to be without two defensemen um, i think you mentioned uh, uh aho and i'm not sure if you mentioned pelic or not but basically they're replacing those two guys who are like you know nhl quality especially pelic with uh, bull duke and mike riley uh riley at 2500 is kind of interesting um, if we get any sort of power play confirmation out of him, I might be tempted. Um, but obviously, we know Noah Dobson's going to be their horse, and that uh, Romanov, Pollock, and Mayfield will make up the top four. Um, but, you know, Riley's always the guy who uh, is offensively slanted. He played two games. Uh, now, granted, it was with Florida, but he had four shots and three shots in those games, uh, you know, five blocks plus shots in each game, despite only playing 13 to 14 minutes. So if there's a power play role, I kind of like that. Uh, any interest in the Islanders forward group, though, uh, given we were sort of more confident in what the forward group looks like in uh, for the Islanders? Uh, not... Uh... Not really. I mean, I think it's fine. I, I I see why you do it. I definitely, I don't think I'm going to have it. I think it's a simple way to putting it for me. And it's not overpriced. I don't think it's incredibly poor, but I just don't think it's, it, it, to me, I just don't think it's going to end up happening. And it's really because I feel like I'd have to force myself to play Noah Dobson. I mean, not because of the back-to-back, back-to-back block bonuses, trying to say that was not easy. Uh, the minutes also just astronomic for him in those back-to-back games. And like, I could see, like, I, I could see, I'm not going to do it, but like it's okay. through Dobson and Barzal and Horvat for sure. Yeah. The, um, I mean, the one thing I think is somewhat interesting is the stagnation on Brock Nelson's price. Like 5,900 is simply not meeting the player he's been this season. Uh, 10 goals in 20 games, sure, but like the shots are, you know, absurd. He's over three and a half shots a game on the season, three and a half shots a game over the last 10. Throw in some blocks, you know, um, 5,900, like you sort just by fantasy points per game and he stands out there too. Like, um, you know, you have to go up to McTavish at 6,200, who's on the road in Vancouver, who, you know, uh, stands out similarly. And then after that, it's up to John Tavares at 6,700 to find a guy who's been better than 
you know, better than Brock Nelson on the aggregate this season. So um, Nelson just stands out as a value with that alone. However, I do think that with both Heischer and Hughes back, New Jersey settling into a bit more of a structured game. Um, and, and to be fair, their struggles without these two really have not been caused by sloppy play, you know, at least based on the underlying metrics. It's been mostly finishing ability and, uh, you know, uh, goaltending <laughs> and you know goaltending hasn't changed for them but obviously uh, i would expect this game to be a bit more of a lockdown on the new jersey side than maybe some recent games without both hughes and he in the lineup where there were guys who were just you know underwater playing uh in the top six there so on the new jersey front i think that it's perfectly viable to consider jack hughes 9100 you know a good matchup should be a lot of shots to go around but Nico Heacher at 5,200 just feels like a ticking time bomb. Uh, you know, I guess a positive ticking time bomb that can be uh, taken multiple ways. But he got hurt and his price just dropped like a thousand overnight. Um, so expect him to be quite popular. Uh, that's my only concern here. So we do have lines from their practice. I'm not sure if you're looking at them, DJ, but yeah, I have um, Okay. Do you want me to read them? I was giving you the floor. Yes. Oh, yeah, it was uh, Foley, Hughes, Bursar, Palat, Hushier, Brat, and then a bunch of other guys. Um, they had uh, still the power play was still the Foley, Jack, Nico, Brat, Luke from before. So no Dougie, you know, not doing anything wise. Um, so, you know, you know, your Brat and Nico, Luke, your Jack to Foley, Luke, or don't play Luke because he doesn't shoot type situation is, is in effect. Uh, yeah, no, that's um, that's all about right. I think Heischer is a really good one-off play. Like, um, there's some argument to the fact that Luke Hughes has been shooting more with his brother in the lineup. Um, like, it, it was kind of convenient that his fantasy production fell off a cliff as soon as Hughes got hurt. Um, Hughes got hurt in the game against St. Louis. Uh, leading up to that point, he had games of uh, 13, 3, 8, 17, 12, 16, Hughes gets hurt and then zero three one and a half one and a half nine ten zero zero eight and then Hughes or I guess Hughes came back uh either somewhere in the last couple of games but then against Buffalo with everyone back in the fold he puts up 19 and a half so like there's at least something to be said that maybe just a functional power play is all he needs to be productive um but you know at 3700 he's probably going to be popular especially with Heischer's uh values so I don't know. I I, I get it. I, I totally think it's a good play, but I like other spots better personally on this 10 gamer. Um, so I'm ready to move on if you are. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I could very much see myself trying to find a way to play to fully Hughes, but it is incredibly expensive, but Jack Hughes has been unbelievable since returning at hasn't skipped the beat over to Florida and Toronto, as I mentioned, and it was a pretty I don't know. A lot of people are talking about on Twitter that Nylander and Matthews coming together. And that basically it was like how good they've been when they played together. It's been insane. Uh, both of them have incredibly good shot rates. Both of them are just really good. It's also, it's nice with the two of them. Um, I guess there's a little bit of value there at 3,900 to make it work. And it's not like nice. It's been bad, you know, 10 points in 19 games and has a, at least one shot bonus. And in, in the last one, he's not the prolific rate shooter by any stretch, but I think he can play. Uh, it's still very expensive and it's now much, much cheaper to play that other, you know, still power play one Tavares at 6,700 and Marner at 6,600 type of a pairing. 
Um, do you have any thoughts on Toronto playing a back-to-back Florida team? Plus yeah, I mean, these new correlations. Yeah, Florida does love to get in some um, get into some psycho game states. So I could totally um, see this game stack working. Um, it, it's always of interest to me when you can get such a you know such a lion's share of the power play shots for a given team across two guys who are also even strength correlated. So you know, for for example, uh, with Morgan Riley in the fold. He's taking up 6% of the shots. Now, again, it's 18 minutes, you know, because they spent so much time with Klingberg off the bat, but that's about in line with what I would expect historically. Um, and then Marner's also taking 6% of the shots. You know, he's just kind of there to distribute and, you know, skate around or, you know, whatever Mitch Marner does. He's a good player, but not really a fantasy uh, friendly one. And then you get 25% Tavares, 25% Matthews, 37% Will Nealand. Willie Nylander in these minutes. Nylander is clearly leveled up. Um, you know, Nylander with Matthews is clearly a good option. But I do think that with this news, Willie Nylander as a one-off is also pretty powerful. Um, you know, like he gets the absolute plum draw, you know, playing with Matthews. You know, not to say Tavares is bad, but, I, you know, Matthews is clearly a superior player at this point in time. Um and with Matthew's price, like obviously that's pretty prohibitive of the rest of your lineup. You can make it work, absolutely. Um, but if you want to take like, you know, for example, Florida one plus a Toronto bring back of Nylander and just sort of say this game goes a bit crazy, um, you can't fit in the, you know, Matthews, Nylander with a Florida stack without completely destroying your other three lineup spots. Like, I think that's a reasonable argument. And really, Nylander is just simply too too cheap for the way he's played. He's been, you know, right up there with Kucherov as the most impactful player in the league so far for his given team. Um, and he's a thousand dollars cheaper. And again, a good home matchup against the back-to-back Florida team. That's good, but they're also very up tempo. So there's my Toronto soliloquy. I prefer Nylander over everyone else, but quite frankly, every single member of that top power play is in play on this slate, including Morgan Riley, who's only 5,100 um, and just plays a ton of minutes without uh, without Klingberg. He doesn't need rates <laughs> to get there, uh, as we know. So, um, yeah, uh, any any additional thoughts to that or any interest in the Florida side of things? Um, I, I mean, first off, I think the, this game is warranted to have the highest total via the sports books you know it's six and a half minus 120 which beats everything else by just a hair um i definitely think you should take a good look at it florida i almost struggle with more because i just think that it's pretty obvious where i go with toronto like you said it's just through nylander and matthews it always ha- probably has been always will be and i know that uh, toronto too could get as you know in a vacuum of a one game slate whatever right uh but i still think you can play that full top line and feel really good about it whereas with florida it is a bit more spread out and you're not getting a discount on anyone outside of, in my opinion, Matt, the Chuck who at 7,600 is a bit too cheap as well. I still think this is every much, every bit, the player that we used to see. And even though he hasn't had a point um, until Ottawa just now, <laughs> but he hadn't had a point in what five games, I believe. And still was at like 17 and 20. And it's just like, guys go on those stretches once in a while and their prices drop, but I don't think that even is close to what he was actually doing. So all of this to say, I could look at the Chuck, but I just would so much rather play Nylander Matthews and there's just really no way you're playing all three. So that's, that's where we move on to Carolina Philly, I think. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, on the Florida side, it is worth considering ownership uh, in this in this situation. Um, like the field is, you know, the, the field is overwhelmingly on to this Matthew Kachuk stuff. Um, but maybe rightly so. Uh, we saw Sam Bennett on the top power play over the weekend, and that continued uh, at least through the first period on uh, Monday evening. So, you know, there's there's a 4,300 power play one, you know, playing with Makachuk, Sam Bennett there. It's going to get ownership. Um, I kind of, you know, I've always been a Barkov Reinhardt guy all season, and um, it's going to be a bit pricier, but I'm at least interested in trying to make a Reinhardt Barkov Rodriguez lineup work. Um, just looking at a contest I'm in, Bennett 22%, Kachuk 17%, uh, Reinhardt 5%. And I think Barkov was like, yeah, Barkov 4%, Rodriguez 1%. Like, uh, it's clear that the field is going with the Kachuk side of things. And while I get it, uh, you know, it's it's not that much more expensive to play Florida, Florida 1. Um, we've seen them produce so often this year that it doesn't really feel warranted, this huge delta in ownership. So uh, this game is obviously very important to figure out. Uh, moving on, though, to Carolina and Philadelphia. I, I don't think we need to spend too much time here because quite frankly, you're probably not that interested in Philly and uh, Carolina's up against a Philly team. That's been very, very good defensively. I mean, it's, it's gotten to the point where now it's 20 games into the year. Like this team probably is what it is. And that is a team that limits shots against they limit chances against. And, you know, Carolina is not necessarily a team that we expect to get by on efficiency. So what say you about this game? I, I mean, again, we're expecting at this point, Ajo, Sveshnikov, and Jarvis, um, all power play correlated last game as well. And while that power play didn't score and we didn't see any changes, let's also throw in Burns into that mix. I could see where you look at these prices, like Burns at 4,900, Sveshnikov at 5,100, and say, match up your damn, this is still the Flyers. And, and take a, a good hard look at this with these historic rates on Burns that we've talked about at nauseum. Uh, Sveshnikov, he's been a bit snake bitten, but you see a lot of games in there with six, you know, a lot of shot attempts. Um, when the minutes are there, it can go well. I could be convinced. Um, I could also be very easily swayed by ownership, but I wonder if it's going to get there if enough people will be afraid uh, of the Philly defense and their um, ability to want to be as boring as possible. But I don't think Sveshnikov Burns are the dumbest two-man stack in the world, and uh, Aho and, and Jarvis are also very useful players. I'm not looking anywhere else, but you know, I could be convinced. Yeah, I've I've seen enough from Burns and from the field playing Burns specifically to think that it's you know not that likely that I regret my decision to just be done with Carolina. <laughs> Um, I got my Burns empty net goal that hit the the shots, that hit the point, that hit the shorthanded goal to just, you know, all the money I had in, I think it was a week ago or maybe Monday. Um, but like, you know, that hit and it was incredible, but man, <laughs> it does not look good out there. Um, the power play looks pretty lifeless. Um, you know, they're just a team that I really, I'm never going to feel bad feeding them at like mid-tier prices because they're just simply that they're a mid-tier team offensively. Um, and they're not in a good matchup either. So like, you know, I I'll find other low owned plays for, for myself personally, but, um, yeah, on the Philly front, I, I don't think any of these prices really should 
uh, bring anyone into the mix. Uh, we did welcome back Rasmus Ristolainen. I thought there was an outside chance that he could take over some power play work because uh, the Philly power play is absolutely atrocious, but um, Torts doesn't care about offense, you know, so they're winning games. They're not allowing goals, so they're not changing anything, um, which, you know, all that to say, who cares? You're not playing. I don't think you're playing Sanheim. I don't think you're playing Sean Walker. Have fun with Nick Sealer at, you know, 3,300, but um, yeah, uh, it's just not an area I'm playing anyone in uh, personally. So uh, good to move on. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I was trying to actually like come up with a take on Philly and I feel like it's, it's like, could you consider Owen Tippett? And then you just look at that, like 11 minutes, 13 minutes in his last five games. And you're like, I, why do it yourself? Like 5,200 is just not worth that risk in this matchup. So um, St. Louis against Minnesota, when you're ready. The, the, the Philly take is that neither of their power play defensemen should be their power play defensemen because it should be Cam York and Rasmus Ristolainen running the two units. Um, but, you know, that's neither here nor there because no one cares what I have to say. As we saw with the Edmonton Oilers, uh, not playing Ryan McLeod for 20 minutes. Um, you know, very disappointing. So uh, that, that's that's a plug for my newsletter, by the way, linked in the description. I wrote last week, so you probably already saw it. Anyway, in, in uh, St. Louis... Of- can I wait? Hold on, we gotta pause. <laughs> okay, the history okay. of plugging anything you've ever done using Ryan McLeod as your catalyst has got to be one of the weakest ways of ever doing it ever. Um, that is just Amen. okay. If if you read it and weren't convinced, that's not on me. That's on you. Okay, St. Louis of Minnesota. All right. Uh, yeah, St. Louis debuted some interesting lines uh, the other day against uh, Chicago, and Jake Neighbor scored twice. So. I guess he sticks. Um, you know, we know we like Robert Thomas as a mm-hmm. hockey player. Is thirty six hundred Jake Neighbors on his wing? You know, uh, scoring five goals in the last five games. Is, is is that enough to garner some interest against a Minnesota team spinning its wheels? Uh, by the way, your old friend Bushnevich uh, is the third third peg on that line. Yeah, yeah, and on that power play because they were all power play one correlated. Rest in peace to our King Sunkvist. Um, with <laughs> Krug and Shen, I'll just kind of I think I have to say it because they didn't have Perenovich in that game. Um, it's of course interesting. I, I, you know, I think Krug is also interesting. Like, I'm not afraid to attack Minnesota, and I get it. Uh, coach, wake up call, blah blah blah, whatever you want to say. But you're talking about Tori Krug, who's been incredibly good rates wise and is just you know a point away and a couple bonuses like it's there for him at 4400 like it's it's not like you're taking a defenseman at 4400 you're like i just pray he gets a point on the power play like this guy actually has rates behind him um i'm not obviously convinced that jake neighbors is a slate breaker uh he's seven goals and, and one assist I, I, you know it's kind of one of those things where i don't think he's an ideal setup man but they kind of have the ideal setup man with him and robert thomas so i could definitely see it 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 could be a bit of a chalkier well, actually, I don't even know if it will be. I want to say it'll be a little bit chalky because of how cheap it is and the correlate, but I really don't think it will be. It's, so Yeah, I don't think it's that cheap, and I don't think it's that, like, I mean, they're going to be underdogs on the road in Minnesota, whether that's right or not, you know, that's up to the viewer to determine. Um, but like Pretty big yeah. underdogs right now. It's plus 136 minus 162. Like, mm-hmm. it's, you know, they're, they actually think it's pretty likely Minnesota bounces back here, which I don't know. I don't even who cares if Minnesota wins? I mean, you can play the other side of this too. Like, are are you afraid to go to a guy like Caprizov here? Are you like, I mean, could, could you consider 
kind of game stacking this a little bit and just saying I, like, you know, I will just... say that's not something that I'm very interested in. Now that's what that means. It's gonna be another like two, three percenter spot, my guess is, because even though they've struggled, Kaprizov's price is still seventy nine hundred, you know, like Matthew Kachuk is cheaper, like you said. Um, like there's totally options in the seven K range or even upper sixes that like you know seem pretty similar to the Kaprizov of 2023-24 and you know not to say that that's going to last forever but I don't think there's really that many people flocking to Kaprizov over you know Phil Forsberg or Will Nylander in very good home spots as well uh, surrounding him Um, so maybe I'm wrong and maybe Kaprizov is the chalk in which case I have no interest Um, but you know assuming everyone's sort of similarly owned like I much prefer Nylander and Forsberg myself just you know that this team one i don't trust anything that they're going to roll out to stick so like the correlation just feels yucky um and kaprizov himself just hasn't been very good like it's you know it, it needs to be said but like <laughs> um it's not like he's just getting unlucky i mean he's just not producing anything and that that kind of sucks but like you know it, it's also the burden you have to carry when you're a superstar player um so yeah, I don't know. I, I don't really think Kaprizov is that interesting to me personally, but do you feel differently? Um, I mean, again, we're kind of speculating pretty high on the, uh, I guess, like the ownership here. I, I don't know how high he'll come in. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, well, like, okay, like pick pick one between Kaprizov, Nylander, and Forsberg. Like, is he yeah, clearly number three for you or not? Because he's pretty clearly number three for me. And, yeah, you know, it's I mean, he's 8,700 and 7,800 on those three players. No, I I agree. It, that is that is honestly probably the best way to put it is the opportunity cost. And like, yeah, nope, you're right. I mean, that's almost why, though, I'd like uh, why my brain goes to St. Louis kind of needs to get there a little bit for Kaprizov to get that, you know, 25 minutes like he had last game, that full power play run, that top line just never coming off the ice type of situation where he gets you know if he gets two points and eight shots on goal like that's kind of why i think i, I either go all the way or i'm out um but that that's kind of probably overthinking this slate anyways like it's still probably not the best play in this situation so yeah you're probably right uh i guess we'll just mention it he was with zuccarello and rossi i already said hartman is not gonna play suspended for slew footing not that that mattered but just you know I guess in theory, it means that they are going to put another center out there. That's worse than Hartman, which isn't great and could, could give Ross even more time, which he's been getting quite a bit of run, especially at five on five, but wasn't on that top power play. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, my guess is Goudreau slides up to the third line and uh, are, you know, in Dewar and then Latieri plays on the fourth line with Dewar and Duhame. So like, you know, maybe 2,600 Freddie Goudreau gets a boost, but um, I don't know. He's he's not been that exciting this year, and he has seen games of 15 to 18 minutes. So, like, it's not like you're sitting here going, oh, well, he's only played 11 minutes every night. And, like, you know, he has two shots a game, you know, double that or, you know, get closer to 20 minutes. And, you know, he, not, there's nothing like that there. So I'm not interested in any punts here. But um, I do think Rossi is a must if you're playing Kaprizov, honestly, at this point. Uh, Rossi's look the part I, I i can't imagine john hines is going to come in and be like nope actually uh you know Vinny lettieri is our new top line center like you know i, I think it's pretty clear what they're going to do with especially without hartman in the lineup so 
Uh, yeah, if you play Kaprizov, play Rossi, but I'm just not doing uh, anything really with this game uh, at this point in time. So I'm good to move on to Pittsburgh and Nashville, a game that I have a ton of time for. So DJ, do you want to go first? You know, I mean, I feel like you already kind of kicked it off with the Forsberg thing, and and I definitely love uh, Pittsburgh won a decent, a good bit here. Like uh, this game has has a lot of pieces I'm interested in. I do think it is probably the the game I would most likely bet the over on six and a half. I think it's the game I would want to almost ensure I'm getting some part of. And I could easily be convinced Pittsburgh won or you know the OC Forsberg stuff. So if, if it's anyone outside of those guys, or if there's one part of that you really want to hone in on, uh, you, I, I'll just kick it right back to you. Yeah, I mean, the, the real problem for me is figuring out what to do with Roman Yossi because he finally had a, you know, a 30-pointer uh, over the weekend. He had a 20-pointer against Calgary, I think. Uh, well, I don't remember when we did a podcast. Uh, it's Wednesday or you know, one of those days he had a 20-pointer. So, like, uh, he had this high watermark, though, in the year uh, against Winnipeg. He did it all in the first period, I think, too. I think he was at 30 by the time the second period was, like, halfway through. Um so, you know, with that said, it sort of throws a wrinkle into things because Forsberg has been the dominant player. Um, you know, it, it's still uh, likely on the season that that's the case, but you really can't afford both if you're trying to play, uh, you know, an expensive stack along with uh, an elite-like player from Nashville. I'm not sure that Nashville's the number one team in my book. Uh, if you look at the expected goals trends, though, Nashville is the number one team on the slate. Um but I don't think they get that owned either. So like what really drives my interest here is the presence of Nyquist. You, you mentioned, you know, uh, you mentioned him, but uh, you know, I, I feel like I kicked this off because I was like, Hey, actually this guy is absolutely smashing and he's doing everything when he's on the ice and, you know, has the puck and whatever, like he's just really good. And uh, that has continued. So like 4,100 is simply way too cheap for Nyquist um, line one power play one. I think it just makes a ton of sense to play it with Forsberg and then you can stack, you know, you can get a good defenseman in a mid-tier stack. You can get, you know, an elite stack and uh, punt a couple D like there's a lot of flexibility because Nyquist is 4,100 and that's why I like this spot so much. So, um, you know, that's where I'm going. I'm not trying to chase. uh, I'm not trying to chase too hard on any of these value pieces. I will shout out uh, Matt again, you know, the Tomasino tilts uh, about him hitting the shots bonus. Um, Tomasino is a guy who is like among their team leaders in iCourse per 60. Um, he's been consistent over time and he's 22 and has a lot of draft pedigree. So like 2,500 playing 15 minutes, I think that's a great play. Um, but obviously not someone I'm like trying to stack with Forsberg or whatever, because that's not really uh you know, he doesn't correlate. It's just a matter of, you know, getting a guy who could hit at 2,500, which there's not many on this slate. All right. Yeah. Uh, I think I yeah. said a lot. So you take you it away. Know, I, uh, tell me your Pittsburgh thoughts. Yeah. I, I guess I, I did want to also piggyback a little on Nyquist. A huge fan of that. Um, it, it does feel like every year there's like two or three guys that everyone's like, oh, well, man, like like Blake Wheeler this year and Nyquist. Like, and Nyquist has just absolutely looked the part, played the part. So I think it's very warranted. I'm just, again, I'm Pittsburgh. I'm not coming off of Pittsburgh one here. I get it. Like Riley Smith and Malkin are a very good bit cheaper, but I think it's much more warranted. Um, as long as we get the full Rust, Gensel, Crosby, uh, not Latang, Jesus, Carlson situation, like I'm going to find a way to make that work. You're likely only getting 
you know, either either Yossi or For- Forsberg Nyquist. And I'm not even sure if that's going to work. But we mentioned some punts already, and there's a few more I feel like we're going to get to. Um, you you might not be able to play Carlson and Yossi, but like that 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 kind of a build in my head where it's like Yossi, Carlson, Russ, Gensel, Crosby, Nyquist is definitely something I want to try to figure out. And if I can't, I just move on. But mm-hmm. um, I love the idea of that. Um, I think it's, I think it might be impossible, but yeah, it's, I think impossible. That's okay. Yeah. Um, so uh, the, the, la- the other thing I'll say about Jake Gensel in particular is that he is uh, among the most snake bitten players in the league at this point, you know, last 10 games, I like to do the thing where, you know, I sort it just by the Delta between their expected output and their actual output. And right after Matt Boldy, and Sam Bennett, ironically enough, given I just slandered him, uh, is uh, Jake Gensel. And, you know, Gensel is shooting a ton. You know the role he plays. He's getting fed great looks on the power play from Sid, so it's not like you would expect a relatively low shooting percentage uh, from that close. And he's got three goals on, like, five point, eh, 5.8 expected goals. So, um I expect that to revert. His price uh, was up a bit higher. It's down to 7,300 now. So like you're even getting a little bit of price regression. Um, Obviously Brian Russ started the year less than 6,600, but we saw him last at 7k. And I just think this is one of the games of the night. And, you know, if I have to choose between Pittsburgh and Nashville and Florida and Toronto, like it's going to be a tough decision, but that's sort of the, uh, the tier that this game sits on. And I think the prices are all very affordable with, uh, great condensed uh, players on on the slate. So, uh, yeah, sign me up for Pittsburgh 1 and Nashville 1. Yeah, next game I think will be a good bit faster. Uh, I'm just not playing Winnipeg at these prices. So you can, if you'd like, that's up to you. It's your money and you work for it and you can play them if that's what you want to do. But Kyle Connor, I get it. 14 goals, 23 points, uh, smash fest. 8,300, it just, again, we talked about the opportunity cost for some other plays. In this matchup, I have absolutely no interest. Um, Shifley is, you know, I don't think I even need to go any further. You can take a look at their pricing, and if you decide you want to play them, that's on you. Um, Dallas, I believe we haven't seen in a few days, right? When was the last time we saw Dallas? Oh, they were on the Saturday slate, I think. Yeah. Yeah, they, they, oh, yeah, they, they, they gave up seven. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they yeah. gave up. I was gonna why do I feel like I, yeah, they gave up seven. So th- that my point was gonna be that I don't know what the lines are gonna be, but they did go back to Robertson, Hintz, Pavelski, and then they gave up seven. That was exactly what my head was thinking. But I was like, why does it seem like it was yesterday? But it was like, yeah, like three days ago. Um I could take a look at Dallas because of the pricing. I mean, Robertson is continuing to drop. He's not quite a point per game or anything, but 6,400 Jason Robertson feels like a, a dream. Like last year, that would have been just, I mean, 100% ownership. And has something dramatically changed? Is Winnipeg someone we're afraid to attack? I don't know. Um, but if that line is together, do you have any interest in Dallas one? Uh, not really. I mean, okay. It's 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 not because Dallas is going to be overwhelmingly popular. Like I've thought that before, and it really hasn't come to fruition. Like it just isn't. You know, the ownership's not coming the way you think it would, given the, uh, you know, the insanely reduced prices. But Winnipeg is a team that has really been stifling uh, defensively. Like um, I I don't really know 
why this is happening, but like we've seen almost nobody put up huge games on them. Uh, you have to go back to Vegas on the, their first game in November to see a team score more than three goals against them. And it's not all goaltending. Like Hellebuck has arguably been, uh, you know, he's been fine, but like he's at a 908, like he's not been great. Um, like this team is just stifling. And so I don't really want to eat into uh, that on a 10 game slate, maybe on a turbo slate, I would consider Dallas, I guess, but it, it's not something that I'm excited about. And it's largely out of deference to Winnipeg, um, which, you know, I can't believe I'm saying, but I'm trying not to be stubborn about, you know, 20 games of pretty good data um, at this point in time. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. I, you know, it definitely is uh, in this vacuum of this game, like, you know, because Winnipeg has been good. I, I get it. Um, Okay, let's go over to Seattle and Chicago. I did look while you were talking at one point and I didn't find anything concrete on Seattle other than they called up a guy and people thought it was because Tanev would not be available. So nothing crazy of note. Um, They are playing at Chicago. I I assume that could entice some people to take a look. Like, is Chicago entering back into that echelon of pure dust? Some are saying yes. (laughs) And and, uh, I could agree with it to a larger extent. I don't think that they're the worst team in the league. That that is clearly the San Jose Sharks, but they're pretty freaking is it bad. Though? I do. Is it? I, do you have a team worse than San Jose? You want to get off your I think chest? Columbus. Right now? I think Columbus is worse than San Jose. I'll be honest. I think Columbus okay. is terrible. Well, they're up one nothing on Boston right now. So by this time tomorrow, no, I agree. I know. I, I I agree. Is like I feel like in a fantasy space, Columbus has been incredibly useful <laughs> for playing against. And you could argue that maybe in, in that, like, I don't know, look at it with, with no hurdle tonight, probably for, I think almost definitely for San Jose, like you take hurdle out of that lineup and you just, I think unequivocally can't make that argument to me, but mm-hmm. um, yeah. Well, yeah, tonight. Yeah. Without Tomas hurt, but like, okay. is going to be back. Like, yeah, sure. Like, I, okay. Yeah. If you want to pause the, you know, if you want to stop the world right now, like, yeah, the, without both Couture and Hurdle, San Jose's terrible. Yeah, oh. I get it. We're, we're, we're a daily fantasy podcast, so we do. That's what we do. That's what I'm doing here. Okay. You know what? You got me. You got me there. Uh, you, you're too the, You're too sharp. <laughs> the point I'm trying to make here is Chicago is also very bad, along with those other teams. They are. Maybe not quite as bad. And I do think we've talked about, man, Seattle might be trending up. And I think that's pretty true. I still think this is a pretty good team. And um, I, you know, I could take a good look here because I do think people are treating Chicago with a little bit more. I don't know. I don't want to say care. I don't know what the right word is. Like the baby gloves are on because they have Connor Bedard. And it's like, I don't know. I mean, Bedard's really good, but does that actually make the team that they're playing against? infinitely like is he amazing defensively i haven't seen that anywhere i mean he's just so good that it might just help him all around because he's hard to remove the puck from and, and whatnot so like i mean are you looking at the line on this game like I, I i can't imagine anything you're saying is actually present in like the betting odds or anything like that no no it's a minus 175 road game for the cattle uh one okay. of the yeah. biggest favorites not the biggest favorite they are you know, a hair more likely than Minnesota and Carolina, um, almost tied with the Devils at home, and then they're much, much worse than uh, Vancouver at Anaheim. Okay. So it's it's kind of all in that realm, though. And all I right. do think that this is a bit more likely to be a Seattle, you know, good performance. And I could be convinced yeah, to play guys like Jerry McCann and uh, Beneers. 
Yeah, the prices haven't moved, which is going to make this a feeding frenzy as far as ownership is concerned. Um, so it is really important to figure out the situation with Bjorkstrand in particular. Um, I think it is pretty, uh, you know, if you're saying that the, the beats are speculating that it's Brandon Tanev who will miss, then like, yeah, that call up is probably bad news for Tanev. Um, I would not doubt that. But I, I don't think it really matters who Wenberg and Schwartz play with. Um, it, it's very unfortunate because Jaden Schwartz was incredible to start the season, but playing with a complete dust ball and Brandon Tanev uh, obviously hurt him. Um, so like, and Wenberg is, you know, uh, whatever. You, you might expect that to inflate Schwartz's shots, but really hasn't happened. The price hasn't moved on Schwartz either. So it's, it's one of those situations where I think in the long run, I want to bet on Jaden Schwartz over McCann and Tolvanen. Um, at ownership, but I don't think tonight's tonight unless we get some, you know, new lines like, oh, actually, Bjorkstrand's going to be out. Let's move Tolvanen and Gord to play with Jaden Schwartz or, you know, something like that. That would make things uh, interesting and, you know, get three guys on a power play together, which, you know, believe it or not, is impossible when you're Dave Haxall, I suppose. Um, so what I'm expecting out of this game is Wenberg, Cartier, and uh, or Schwartz. I'm expecting Tolvanen, Bjorkstrand, and Gord to all remain together, and then the normal top line of McCann, uh, Beneers, and Everly. But if Bjorkstrand is out, that throws everything into disalignment, in my opinion. Um, so I'm very interested to keep tabs on that. Um, it would open up a power play role for somebody. It would obviously open up a role alongside Ily Tolvanen, who's been Seattle's best player fantasy wise over the last stretch of games. Um, and, you know, uh, Vince Dunn and Justin Schultz still remain uh, absurdly cheap for their upside, but not for their four. You know, they're zero four guys. You're taking them as stacking options only, in my opinion. And uh, yeah, there's my Seattle take. Um, I'm not interested in anything on Chicago uh, besides figuring out what the hell happened to Corey Perry, because that's, uh, yeah, you know, it's it's interesting to say the least. It's wild out there. Um, I I have no speculations. I haven't heard anything personally. So we can move on because I'm not going to play Chicago either to Tampa and Arizona if that's something you're interested in. Oh, God. Um, Is it something I'm interested in? Well, Kucherov is playing, so yes. But Tampa on a back-to-back in Arizona after playing in Colorado, it's it's a little dicey. So, yeah. Yeah. um, Kucherov coming off of a Carolina 44 and a half point, just mega smash. Um, I wonder if he'll be popular though. I mean, again, we, we haven't, haven't even dropped the puck yet in Colorado. We'll see yeah. what he does there. Like if he once again, nukes, I wonder if people just say who freaking cares. Um, there's savings on this slate. We just talked about Seattle who could definitely garner some ownership and afford you Kucherov and maybe one more upper tier piece. Um, stacking could be a little bit tricky, but it's really not even impossible. Like 0.7300 Stamkos, not on his line, but 6,700. And that power play is really what mm-hmm. gets it going. You could make a case that it should be. And, and honestly, I want to also just kind of shout out Hagel, who's been very useful. And I, maybe he's just not terrible, you know, and helps Kucherov, but he definitely is a beneficiary of playing with Kucherov. Uh, without a doubt. So I could be convinced to play Tampa here, but that's probably barring. It's not going to be very chalky. And I, I don't have a good feel for that right now. Uh, we still have Edmonton I, to get to. We still have Vancouver to get to Matt. I would be 
you know, it depends on what your like what your definition of chalk is, of course. But like my guess is, is that six game in Colorado, take what their what take what Kucherov's ownership is and about double it. Um, uh, in this spot, you know, it's a 10 game slate. Yes, but they're against Arizona and, you know, Arizona's looked really, really porous defensively. Um, so, you know, and we're not really expecting, um, much different here. So there's no line posted, but we do have Johansson confirmed. Uh, so like, you know, it's one of those situations where like, okay, well, even if they're not huge favorites, that means Arizona is going to be scoring and like, you know, Kucherov is Kucherov and can Kucherov anybody. And so, yeah, it's all that to say, like, I do expect Kucherov to be at least like 15% owned, but I don't think that matters until you start hitting the 25% mark, uh, just because there's so many options on the slate, you know, you're not likely to fall onto the same uh, cheap options as long as you're careful with your Seattle exposure um, as the rest of the field. And yeah, there's lots of ways to build good lineups here, I think. So uh, Kucherov is very much in play. I don't really have much interest in Arizona. I know they're welcoming back guys like Dumba and Dermot into the lineup, and theoretically that could help them out a bit. Um, but I, I just still don't think Clayton Keller is the guy that I want to hitch a slate to. He's not getting top line run, you know, uh, last three games, 18, 17, 16 minutes um, in all sorts of different environments, you know, uh, a big loss to LA where they were down from the beginning, 18 minutes, uh, a wild game where back and forth, back and forth with St. Louis, uh, 17 minutes, and then a two nothing win in Vegas, uh, 16. So like, you know, 6,500, not a lot of shots. I, I just don't see him putting up a three pointer here enough times to make me regret fading him at 6,500 and all the or all the uh, depth is just kind of gross to me at this point. I think we've outlived the usefulness of guys like Lawson Kraus and Nick Bukestad, but um, you know, I I think uh, last thing I, I want to say Saul had a had a run at the top in a contest with uh, Arizona two stacked, and I felt bad for him when he lost because it was such a sharp uh, you know two percenter stack uh, in whatever game it was, but. Um, it didn't come to fruition, and therefore uh, Saul is not rich enough for for our liking. I'm sure. Correct. Anyway. So, uh, yeah, I I don't have too much to add there. I just I was honestly thinking like you're saying line one doesn't get the run, but line two is in Bukestad, um, in Shelley and Kraus. But I get it. It's pretty gross. It does feel like a pivot off of other cheaper power play two line two type situations, playing a back to back team. Tampa has not really been that good defensively on the season. I, I know as of late, they've been a bit better. I don't even want to say a ton. Um, I, I think you could honestly plug your nose and convince yourself of it at two, per, two or 3%, but we can move over to Vegas and Edmonton and we've made our point. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's uh, uh, well, well said. So uh, yeah, Vegas, Edmonton, uh, we are, expecting Edmonton to roll out the same lines as last game. Uh, Nugent Hopkins and Hyman uh, flanking McDavid. Uh, Vander Kane and Connor Brown flanking Dreisaitl. Um, I actually didn't see what Connor Brown's minutes wound up being in that game. Um, but as we know, they scored 15. about a billion goals. Uh, yeah, okay, Brown, 15 minutes. Not, uh, power play. Uh, not power play two. It was Fogel, McLeod, Kane. Okay. Um so, yeah, that, I mean, that throws a bit of a wrench into things. Now, does the field chase Edmonton at home against Vegas? I, I honestly don't think so. 
Um, and we know that Vegas is going to be without both Shea Theodore and Alec Martinez. Uh, Cassidy confirmed that they were not planning to join the team uh, on the road trip, which stretches until they're back home on Saturday. So um, this is, you know, a banged up Vegas team. They're going through it because they're blundering their lines. I'm pulling both ways as far as the field is concerned. Personally, I'm not interested, you know, uh, that they're still very expensive players. Even Evander Kane, who is just my safety, uh, you know, I would just plug him in at 5K, 5,500. He's now 6,300. It's just a very different texture to your lineups when you want off a guy like that um, at that price. Um, so I have to say I'm out on Edmonton, but of course I can burn you on any slate and I'm just willing to live with it if it does here. So uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, uh, Jay Woodcroft really should have told Connor McDavid to go out there and score four points a night. And not doing that cost him a job, but he's back to getting four points a night. And, and that might give a little bit of ownership against Vegas on a back-to-back. Vegas has been unable to score. They are changing their lineup. They're trying to figure it out. We won't know if that has fixed things um, until they play on Monday night. If it doesn't, Edmonton oftentimes can fix those things. Um, you know, the Calgary Flames, not the best team to do the fixed team, but Edmonton, they love to give up goals. Um, so I do see the narrative. And I, honestly, I know you're mentioning Kane at like 6,300 or whatever, and it does feel like a good pivot off Hyman at 6,800. He'll just be clearly the higher owned player playing with McDavid. And just people look at the game logs and the game logs are saying, this guy's broke three slates in a row. Maybe play him. I could see actually ownership coming here a bit uh we've talked about a ton of punts and there's you know the edmonton seattle situation could get there um you know in ownership and just in theory so there is that i am kind of a little bit interested on the vegas side just wondering what the lineup will look like um barring what happens against the flames do you have any interest in considering a jack eichel situation um this guy's been good and he's playing Edmonton. I just, I don't know. I, I feel like this is like the, the 8,100 3% 4% Jack Eichel type situation because of all of the yeah, winger that like, like upper tier winger, not value, but almost value. I almost want to say upper tier value because it's still so good. Yes. Uh, so yeah, Eichel is of extreme interest to me. Uh, also very interesting because uh, he's going to play with Stevenson, assuming that doesn't change. Uh you know, assuming they don't blunder the lines again mid-game, which uh, I hope they don't because I hope they smash on Monday too. Uh, but Eichel, Stevenson, Stone, we've seen them, uh, you know, last year. That was an incredible line. Um, I like Jonathan Marcheseau. So I think he's a good player, but I'm also uh, very adamant that the only reason Marcheseau so won the Conn Smythe last year was because Jack Eichel was transcendent and you shed $900 off of the Marcheseau so price. You get the Mark Stone and it's like, okay, like, yeah, that works for me. Um, and then Chandler Stevenson is also below 4K. Um, at 3,900, and it takes up a center slot. Which you know, if we're playing a team like Seattle, it does two things. It sort of, uh, you know, it neuters the ownership. Where I, as I don't think Eichel gets above six, seven percent owned, even in the worst case scenario. Um, and it fills up a center slot, which on Seattle is notoriously hard to fill and get fantasy points out of. And it allows you an extra wing slot to jam in, you know, the McCann, Tolvanen, or Bjorkstrand, or, you know, whatever you want from that stack. So um, I really like that look. Um, Chandler Stevenson is not confirmed to be top power play. If he remains off the top unit on Monday night, 
you know, that that's a definite hit to his value. Um, but if he's on it, I think that Stevenson is also one of the best sub 4K values on the slate, um, just given we know that he's got massive upside in this role. He's comfortable playing with Mark Stone, of course. And again, he and Eichel and Stone have flashed really good numbers in the past and should have some chemistry in a good spot in, in Edmonton for sure. So uh, I like that. And then Alex Petrangelo is just a slam dunk on defense. Um, he didn't hit last game, but 6,800 is way too cheap for a guy who has seven blocks, six shots, and a three-point bonus in his range of outcomes. It's not impossible. It's very easy to see that happen, and it's very rare for the non-Makars of the world for that to be in the range of outcomes. Yeah, uh, I, I just wanted to also give at least a look to Ben Hutton. Um, you know, he didn't get there last late 20 minutes, four shots on goal power play too. Could you convince yourself, um, in, in any situation to play Ben Hutton 2,600 boy, um, DJ, the cards are going to turn over on Monday night and I'm going to have Ben Hutton. So, uh, there's your answer, <laughs> but, um, I know, I know. in reality though, what happened, uh, against Arizona is this, uh, Pahal, I think that's how you say it. Uh, this he just didn't play much. Um, so Petrangelo double shifted with Hutton and Haig basically sh- trading shifts. And so with Hutton's uh, power play to work, um, that got him to the 20 minute mark. I would expect a rather similar approach here. And again, I don't like Ben Hutton necessarily, but 2600 power play time connection to Vegas, like, yeah, it's it's a good spot. So I will be happy to play him if my lineup needs it on Tuesday night. Okay, that that'll do for that game. Uh, okay, long one more long way to get to Anaheim, Vancouver. Um, I think uh, I think I've kind of just hitched my wagon to I'm done playing Vancouver, and I wonder if again I feel like I keep talking. What are the ownerships going to be? Because it just feels like there's just a lot of good ish spots and a lot of like I could convince myself like theoretically. So will others? I mean, mm-hmm. Vancouver going against Anaheim. In again, as I mentioned, this is the biggest underdog or favorite in Vancouver. I guess probably the easier way to say it on the slate in a six and a half, you know, price just like everything else. The prices haven't come down in an unbelievable amount, but this is not your 8,500 Patterson. This is your 7,500 Patterson, you know, JT Miller, 7,400. Like, I think you could convince yourself that. What if Brock Besser could do it one or two more times? You know, I mean, the guy is tied for the league lead in goal scoring at 7K. And does he deserve that? Probably not. You know, yeah, I don't know. I think he's a good player. Like, I think he can score goals in bunches at times, but that seems a little bit aggressive. Do you have any interest in Vancouver against the Anaheim Ducks? I think, like um, I said, I'm pitching my wagon yeah. to no, but where's your wagon? I mean, so my wagon is obviously it's a 10 game slate and it's hard to you know, really parse apart these stacks and whatnot and compare things, uh, you know, with, with, uh, you know, an hour's worth of time, honestly. But what I do like about the Vancouver setup is, you know, looking at their underlyings, they've actually not scored a ton at five on five over the last 10. Like they're among the, uh, you know, the least productive teams at five on five looking at the slate. It's only, uh, ironically enough, it's only Anaheim and, uh, the Islanders that have scored less like uh, above their expectation based on their opponents over the last 10 at five on five and their underlings are fine. You know, they're not great because they're Vancouver, um, but they're like producing about what you'd expect expected goals wise. 
And we know that Vancouver is talented enough to turn those into goals. Like that's been a thing, even when they were bad, you know, last year. Um, and their power play is still very good. So uh, Kuzmenko back honestly kind of dings the Pedersen stuff for me because I just think Kuzmenko kind of sucks. Um, and like, I'm interested to see how the power play fares, you know, with Kuzmenko back, is it still chronic? Who, who knows? Um, but JT Miller, Brock Besser, and Bovillier at 3,200, like now that I can sign up for. And Bovillier is very thin, um, but I think Besser produces just enough upside himself to offset the potential, you know, Bovillier five, six pointer um, if he fails. Um, and JT Miller's been, you know, one of their best consistent players over the span as well. So like, um, I really have no problem going to Vancouver two here and I like Bovillier as a player. So like, that's sort of where my interest comes in where it's like, Oh, well it's not Phil DiGiuseppe. So like maybe there's some hidden upside here. Right. Yeah. I'm fine with that. I, I think everything you said is pretty good there. It's Anaheim side, probably a bit of a wait and see. I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with it. Uh, it's just a little bit expensive for me to play McTavish and Vitrano. I can't imagine how you make that work on this slate with so many upper tier plays that I think are just much, much, much better. So that's yeah. tough to stomach. And well, let's say we get Leo Carlson back. You know, let's just you know think about it. Are you really going to Troy Terry, who's been? I mean, just pretty non-existent last game. He must have gotten basically yeah, benched. He played like 12 minutes. So it, 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 I, I love the idea of it in my head of like Anaheim's going to come in. I'm not going to think for sure the lowest ownership on the slate as far as like a full potential like power play stack is looking like you could, you know, Terry, Kalorn, and, and but like it might end up being like the, one of the lowest power play one stacks on the slate. And that, should normally make you think, but I, I just think I'm not going to think too hard about it and just move on. Yeah. Um, just because it's leverage doesn't it's, mean it's going to win the slate. You know, it's leverage yeah, exactly. That's, easily fail. And yeah. yeah. In order to gain leverage over the field, you need to produce fantasy points. And, uh, you know, that's uh, been hard to come by for this, this Anaheim team outside of Frank Vetrano and Mason McTavish. But, you know, I played them on Saturday and or on Sunday night, and they were basically the only players that didn't nuke above 6k on the night. So that was a lot of fun. You know, I'm, I'm very, I'm very poor as a result, but it is, um, you know, it, it's just what happens. I don't think this is a spot where I'm looking to chase that um, back again, you know, 10 games, a lot of good spots. And uh, if Leo Carlson misses, Max Jones is interesting to me. You know, uh, obviously they're not like completely like correlated to one another, but I think the Carlson absence opened up the power play job that Max Jones filled in. And, you know, he scored the only two goals of that Edmonton game. So like, uh, his underlings were pretty good going into that game, scoring twice. It's a great way to sort of reaffirm that like, Hey, this, 2.5k guy actually might be decent and if he's on the third line um you know maybe the minutes of for the fourth line get cut and he gets up to you know 15 minutes and 2500 can't ask for much but um uh he's just fine you know I just wanted to call him out because 2500 uh there's there's not a ton of those guys on on the slate that i would really be strongly considering so uh yeah right. well let's uh wrap this up with some top stacks guarantee goals and get out of here Sure. Um, man, I, I feel like I have two upper tier stacks. I love a ton. Um, do you want to, you want to go first? And if you take one of mine, I can take the other. Yeah, I am going to go with Pittsburgh. Um, ah, you know, I was, one I of was 
Well, yeah, I was I was pretty concerned uh, with the power plays being screwed up over the weekend. Um, but against Toronto, I just I believed in Mike Sullivan to not be an idiot. And, you know, he wasn't. And while it didn't get there against Toronto, the team looked fine. And getting Brian Russ back for Crosby and Gensel, just uh, there's a lot of ways to make the salary work on this slate. So, um, yeah, I, I think Sid Gensel Rust is just my jam it in uh, top end stack that I'm looking to play here. Okay. Yeah, I very much agree. And I know that I can't get the other stack with it. But, you know, if I'm playing two lineups or whatever, if you're MMEing, I think that you should mix both of these in for sure. And that's just Matthews, Nylander, and Nyes. Uh, could you can, I could definitely conceive of. Uh, O'Reilly, or not O'Reilly, Jesus, Morgan Riley as well as like a maybe, but 5,100 does seem too expensive. I get the role is really good and I get the power play usage is enticing. And I also see in his game log where he completely destroyed a slate and it could definitely happen here, whatever, but I still think there's better plays um, that I'd rather get in a defense and nice is a nice saving to help uh, make that affordable for Toronto one. Okay. Um, I'm going to grab the secondary New Jersey stack of Heischer. Uh Get Luke Hughes in there. Just say, you know, uh, the way that Calvin Ridley can only produce when Zay Jones is on the field. Uh, Luke Hughes can only produce when his brother's on the ice with him. Uh, so get the values of Heischer and Hughes. And then, you know, it's tough, obviously, to click on the 7.1K Jesper Bratt, but, like, if you're already betting on the power play to hit, like, you might as well just take him, you know? Like, you could take Hughes with it. You could take Toffoli, who's on the other 5-on-5 line. Um, But honestly, if I'm doing that, it might only be a two-man, or, you know, I'll I'll just be trying to uh, mix in combinations of New Jersey. But uh, going through the slate, I actually don't think New Jersey gets a ton of ownership, which, um, you know, it might be totally wrong. But I think Sam Bennett eats up some of the Nico ownership that I was initially anticipating. And uh, as a result, you know, it's a good spot, an up-tempo game environment. So let's let's grab it. Okay. Um, Yeah, I think that's. And, and, I mean, I, I love that, honestly. I didn't expect you to go there for some reason. I, I was so ready for you to say that Seattle stack you mentioned. And since you didn't say it, I will. Um, I, I kind of like the idea of just going with McCann, Tolvanen, and um, defenseman. I guess you guys will go done. I mean, power play, you're getting a little bit weird. But, I mean, if they score yeah, like, a power play goal, or, yeah, I mean, if, if they score five or something, like, you could still definitely get there, and both power plays can click or whatever. So I think that's a really sharp angle, and there are a ton of center plays that it can either, A, get you unique, or, um, eh, I mean, I don't know. I, I just think, I think that was a really interesting way of going about things, and I think it would work with my Matthews, Nylander, Nyes, um pretty nicely. Pretty nicely all right guarantee some goals uh i'm going to go to vegas for my first one uh and you know i i, I want to take mark stone but I, I want the salary so i'm going to go with chandler stevenson 3900 playing with jack and stone um he gets a breakaway he pots one um and we don't have the sweat our guaranteed goal in chandler stevenson okay wait so hold on sorry can you say it again i kind of lost you for a second was that chandler stevenson you did Stevenson. say Stevenson. Okay. Because you were talking about Stevenson at the end of it when I heard you again. I was like, is that who he picked or is he saying someone else? Okay. Um, let me okay. I only have Toronto pulled up, which is probably a bad idea. Now I'm gonna say one last thing here. Uh last slate, we had what like 12 games, and we both said at one point 
I'm not going to take that guy because that would be in the same game. And I'm pretty sure I went last and just immediately jammed a guy that was in the same game of one of your players, um, Pospisilla Nyquist. It was truly impressive work. Uh, I am going to go with a player against the St. Louis Blues. That's Matt Boldly. Um, you mentioned yeah. it. Uh, I'm hoping that's not where you were planning on going yourself because you did mention that he's been incredibly unlucky. And I think that that luck is going to break. And I do think that that's going to also help um, with the fact that he just isn't going to like the odds are going to be good for Matt Boldy. I feel like I keep saying boldly and I think I just said it again. Okay. Boldy. (laughs) I don't know why I do that. There you go. Okay. Uh, For my second, I am going to lock in Brock Besser 7k uh, light in the lamp against the hapless ducks okay i leave myself with 5k yes 5k yes um <laughs> trying to look at two screens at once to find a player we might go we might just we might dumpster dive a bit okay hold on here we have okay yep okay we're good we're good we're good on all fronts right now because we have, yeah, okay. Um, do I just do I just take freaking what's his name Sam Bennett? Just grab the two guys that are just been incredibly unlucky in shooting. Sure, yeah, that, that, that is a Sam player Bennett. who fits. You can He's take playing him. against Toronto, which is not one that Great we took. And yeah, we we nailed it. Uh, I, I honestly almost looked at a St. Louis Blue player first. I was like, wait, how much was? Oh yeah, duh. I was um, with the neighbors. I was like, how much is he? Oh yeah, I was immediately going to do what I said I wasn't going to do. Impressive. Well, thank you, thank you for the play-by-play. Um, but if you want more of this podcast, be sure to uh, you know subscribe on your podcatcher of choice. Um, follow us on Twitter at Pod. DJ went through and got the news. There's some of the news that we have, at least at this point on Monday. Um, be sure to follow him as well at DJ Anderson Mitchell 94 uh, through breaking news throughout the day on Tuesday. I mean, every day he's retweeting stuff that even I've missed because, you know, I try to work and he doesn't even pretend he's just on Twitter, I guess, and uh, retweeting useful stuff. So he's a great follow if you're interested in following the line combinations and hockey news. Um, and I am at Fake Moods. I have a newsletter. It's linked in the description. And we have a Discord. Just DM the podcast account or one of us to get in there. Lots of fun stuff happening at all hours of the day, uh, apparently. Um, so, yeah, it's a good time. And it's a good time to be a part of the Morningscape Pod community. Sam, Sam Bennett immediately scored after I picked him for tomorrow. He's a he little knew. early. He knew. <laughs> he knew. All right. Uh, well, yeah, let's get out of here. Uh, Thank you all for listening. From Doug, from DJ, from myself. Have a good sleep, everybody, and we will see you.